Ephesians chapter 6. We are still on Ephesians. Year-long Ephesians, and it's been good, and I'm going to stretch it out even more. Hallelujah. And so we'll run this into 2024. But Ephesians chapter 6, we're beginning to look at the armor of God. Um, I would tell you, if you don't have this book in your library by Rick Renner, who is coming in the end of January, I'm sure they'll have it when they come. It's called Dress to Kill. Um, Last time I was here, I told him it was still my favorite book, even though he's written 50,000 of them. Uh, That's my favorite one. So we looked at this. Finally, my brother, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Say, I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. So you're supposed to stand against. You know, I told you this. Let me me read this and then I'll rehearse that. Uh, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the wicked darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, you take on the whole armor of God. Don't just pick your favorite piece. Pick Because the whole armor is important. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having all done, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So there's a lot of standing. And I get this uh, sometimes in uh, uh, spirit-filled circles. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the devil, the devil, the devil. And a lot of people want to blame everything on the devil. Uh, the devil, you know, uh, some of you are way too young, but Flip Wilson, you don't know him, but he used to say, the devil made me do it. And as a Christian, you should never say, the devil made me do it. Right? The per- th- this is the truth. Because uh, I heard one minister say this, and I agreed with it, and yet the Holy Ghost dealt with me. He said, you know, God's not my problem. The devil's not my problem. I'm my problem. Well, there's some truth in that, you, that everything that's going on that bad that happens to you, you have a choice, right? Remember God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and curse, choose life. So a lot of the problems we have in our life are because of bad choices. And the only way to get out of that is start making good choices. Like we should teach our children and our teenagers to make good choices and then bad choices have consequences. Amen. If no one's going to teach them that, uh, you're the only ones that are going to teach them that. That the bad choices have consequences. All right, and so you don't like that. We'll keep moving. Hallelujah. And so the truth is, though, um, if the, if the devil wasn't something we had to deal with, uh, the Holy Ghost wouldn't have had Paul over and over again in all the epistles warn us of the devil. The Bible says we are not to be ignorant of his devices. I, I, you know, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up that I never heard anything that there was an enemy. I just always heard that God was mad at me. And whatever that happened, or that's at least what I heard them say. That there's no pleasing him. He's an angry God. And, and uh, any problems you have in life were just that God allowed it or you were doing something wrong and you deserved it. And the truth of the matter is you have an enemy. All right? But before we get into that, and so that's why there's a lot of stand, stand against, wrestle. I mean, you know, that's some exertion. Withstand and in the evil day. When's the evil day? Anytime the devil shows up, that's the evil day. And you ought to be standing. Remember the apostle Paul said when anything would come and he had a whole lot of things going on with the devil, he said, none of these things move me. So one of the things the devil's always trying to do is to move you off your faith, get you out of the will of God, get you to give up 
move on, right? That's what the enemy is always trying to do. I watch people, and they, 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 they stay away from the very answer. They stay out of the word. They, um, they, um, they, they, when they get tired, instead of getting deeper into the word and doing more services, they stay home and relax and veg and watch TV, which won't help you. It won't help you. So when the attack is on and when you feel tired is when you ought to push in. Amen. This thing called standing grace. And it's not my message. But you remember when, the, when the, uh, Paul himself was having trouble with the devil. I don't know if any of you do this. I, I've done this a few times. Um, I've just begged the Lord. Like, you know, it's just the attack seems so great. Lord, please make this go away. And then he always takes me uh, to where Paul, because remember, Paul was doing the same thing. How many know Paul was revealed to by the Holy Ghost and wrote this in Ephesians to us? And, and, the, and the enemy was always after Paul, and he just got flat tired of it. And he said, uh, he asked the Lord, remember, three times, take this thing away from me, which was an evil spirit. Right? And the Lord didn't say, just toughen up, buttercup. He didn't say it'll all be over soon because a lot of times people misinterpret what that word grace is. Remember what Jesus said? He said, and the Lord Jesus spoke to him and said, my grace, everybody say, my grace is sufficient. That grace there is standing grace and it's empowerment. In other words, Jesus has done everything he's going to do with the devil. Jesus has done everything he's going to do about your salvation. When someone uh, this next Sunday in our church wants to get saved, Jesus doesn't have to go to the cross again. Why? Because it's done. So what do they got to do? So, so it's like if someone up, comes up and they start standing here and say, Lord, help me. Do something. Go, are you going you know, take my sins. Take my sins. We would gently shake them and say, he's already done all that. All you got to do is do what? Receive it. Well, it is the same with everything. And when you and I have a problem with the devil, we have to first, before we get in the armor, realize that Jesus has already won the victory. He has done, just like he was telling the apostle Paul, I've done everything that I can and will do about the devil. What did he can and will do? Well, Colossians 2.15 says, having spoiled principalities and powers, that he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What is it? His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus put the blood on the mercy seat and sat down because it is forever finished. The Lord doesn't have to do anything about your salvation, about your healing, about your peace, about your prosperity, about the devil anymore because it's all done. In Ephesians chapter 1, what do we know? We know that the greatest display of power ever was when Jesus was raised from the dead. Aren't you grateful? He was raised from the dead. How many know we don't have to wait to Easter or Resurrection Sunday to, to be grateful for that? Because without the raising of the dead, there's no reason for us to be here. He has been raised from the dead. He's alive. The greatest display of power ever. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that Jesus was raised up and is seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's been given a name. So what happened? Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Because of his death, because of his burial, because of his resurrection, the devil has been destroyed. The devil has been destroyed. Well, why do I got such a big problem with him? I'll tell you in a few minutes. Because the devil has been destroyed. And Jesus is seated far above. 
So it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what the devil does. So a lot of times when we talk about fighting the devil, really the better thing is, and really we're not fighting, we're reinforcing our victory. It's like this is a combat, you know, people here understand military. So there's sometimes when you go into war so that um, an enemy can be defeated. But then a lot of times they leave an occupation army. So when an uprising happens, they just quickly put it down. You're in the occupation army. You're not at war with the devil. He is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. But the Lord didn't even stop there. He said, for those of us that are born again, it's a Wednesday night. I just pretty much reckon everybody in the room is born again. Are you born again? Then where are you seated? Where are you seated? Ephesians 2, 6 says what? That we've been raised up together with him. To sit with him. See, I'm seated. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're not seated there alone. You're in Christ Jesus. And since you're in Christ Jesus, you are seated, what Ephesians chapter 1 says, far above. I said far above. The problem sometimes with people wanting to fight the devil all the time is they're in the wrong seat. You want to fight him down here. You're no match for him down here. Even as a defeated foe, you're no match for him. Don't get mad at me. He's smarter than you are. Well, I just believe he's an idiot. Well, that idiot caused Adam and Eve, two perfect people, to fall. And he's been messing with people for millennia. He convinced one-third of some various, I don't know that they were just really stupid angels. I don't think so because God made them all the same. But he convinced a third of them to follow him. He's not ignorant. So I know what people say, well, the devil's just stupid. I know what they're saying. Well, I will agree. He is so stupid that he thought he could beat God. Okay, that's stupid. That's stupid. But So we got to take him serious, but take him serious from the fact of he is defeated. Right? He is defeated. But Jesus, not Jesus, but the word of God by the Holy Ghost to the Apostle Paul said, don't be ignorant. And so the devil's devices are thoughts, are things. What's the devil always trying to make you or I do? Well, the number one thing he would love for us to do is turn away from God. Turn away from God. Um, He would love for us to blame God. He wants to get us into sin. um, Because he knows what sin will do to you. Right? He, He wants to bring sickness. I mean, it's just clear as this. Jesus said in John 10, 10, wouldn't be cornerstone unless you got John 10, 10. The thief come. Jesus said, I've come that you may have zoe, the God kind and quality of life, and that you may have it more abundantly. And he said, the thief does what? Steals, kills, and destroys. So it's two categories. A four-year-old can figure it out. It takes a preacher to mess it up. Anything that steals, anything that kills, anything that destroys comes from the devil. Anything that gives life comes from God. James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness. So anything you put into the equation, there's no variable with this. God always turns out good. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning. I mean, every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
So you know that Jesus put a line in the sand, anything bad? Well, I just believe. Well, there were, you got to be careful with I just believe because I don't really want to hear what you believe. I want to hear what's written. The old song says, well, that old song could be full of doubt and unbelief. Just because you sing it with passion and it makes you cry doesn't mean it came from heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why am I going through all that? First and foremost, I want you to know that if you, if you, you understand you have an enemy, but you fight from a place of victory. He always causes you to triumph. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Right? Amen? So we fight from a place of victory. So if we fight from a place of defeat, and, and one of the things that the devil loves, loves to do is try to wear you and I out. Wants to wear you out. You all are people, most of you, uh, maybe some of you are newer, but some of you have been around. I look around the room. Some of you have been around God and the things of God a long time. The devil doesn't send one problem to you. He doesn't send a mountain to you. He sends mountain ranges to you. Why? Because he wants you fighting on, on so many fronts where you feel like you're just ready to give out. But, but if you get there, what's happening is you've moved down here. I say it like this a lot of times. Um, you know, probably most of you have flown sometime. When I fly, my wife is gracious and kind. She gives me the window every time. I can be a big baby if I'm not sitting at the window. But anyway, she always gives me a window because I love to look out, landing and coming in. And plus, when you're on a long trip, you do get like six more inches of pillow space. Anyway, uh, so, but, but like I love to be flying in and you can see a semi that if I felt like, like down here on the earth, if I got into a, you know, saw a semi coming at me, it just looks so big. And I know it's going to run me over. But somehow up there, I feel like I could take my thumb and my forefinger and pick it up and play with it. What's the difference? Where I'm seated. What it looks like. Anytime you or I are overwhelmed, we're not in our seat. I know the Lord has been, I pray a lot in other tongues, you know. He's been yelling at me kind of, if you understand what I'm about to say. He's been yelling at me for a couple years to sit down. Sit down. How many of you know the psalmist said there's a table? You can't have what's on the table. It's not like modern day. Uh, Daddy's going to make you sit down at the table and eat. You can't pick up a biscuit and run. Pick up a chicken leg and run. He wants you to sit down in the presence of your enemies. Sit down. Right? And so this is how we go at this, we go at it from a place of victory. Because if you go at it from a place of, oh, the devil is, ooh, and I got to, ooh, and ooh, that's a lot of works. You got to be seated in heavenly places. Now, you and I, he said, take on the whole armor. So again, we have to be careful that we don't have like, a lot of people love to talk about the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Those are their two favorite parts. But he said, put on the whole armor. And we remember we looked at the loin belt of truth last two Wednesdays when we were here. And that's the logos, the written word of God. If you don't have the written word of God in your life, all the rest of the armor you can't use. Without, without the logos, there is no rhema. Without the logos, there is no shield of faith. Without the logos, there is no helmet of salvation. So it is the thing, the belt that holds everything together. 
So today, if you want to try to skip over so that you live a victorious life and you don't esteem the written word of God, then you're not going to get there. So people have to esteem the written word of God and be a doer of it. Uh, Remember what James said. He said, if you hear the word, hear the written word, and you don't do anything with it, then you deceive yourself. And I remember many years ago, the Lord said to me, the hardest thing to get people out of is self-deception. And the biggest self-deception is just thinking, if I hear it, I'm good. If I show up on Sunday, I won't talk about you Wednesday night, folks, because you're here all the time. But if I just show up on Sunday occasionally and hear it, I'm good. Well, you may be born again and go to heaven and you're good that way. But if you want to live victoriously here on the earth, you got to do it. I got to do it. No matter how many years I've been preaching it, if I ever quit doing it, I'm going to go backwards. And it's not what I did yesterday. It's what I'm doing right now. It's what I'm going to do today. And i got to be a doer of the word of God. So that's the logo. So let's look at this. Then it goes on to say this. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Verse 14. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. So tonight we're going to look at the the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to get started. So let's think about a Roman soldier. What is a breastplate? Well, a breastplate covers your breast. It covers this area. Right? And why do, you need, uh, why do you need armor on to protect this area? What's in this area? Your heart, your lungs, your gizzard, right? All the stuff that makes you function. All the stuff that we're all grateful that we're covered in skin and we're not transparent. Because wouldn't that be gross? Thank God for skin. Hallelujah. But why does that need covered? Because a spear may be coming and a sword may be coming. And if even one of those parts, even if your heart is barely injured, even if your lung is torn at the bottom, even if, if they get one of your kidneys, even if they get your intestines, you're probably going to be what? Dead. Dead, especially back then with no modern medicine and all that kind of stuff. So the breastplate becomes very vital. If a soldier is going to be victorious, this breastplate had to be worn and worn correctly. It couldn't be askew. It had to be kept because it, it, it had to be able to move with you. And so the parts of it, I like what Rick Renner said. He said the thing about the breastplate is the more you wore it, the more beautiful it gets. Because it's kind of metal on metal and it starts to, you know, take care of everything. So what is this? It's a breastplate, but it's the breastplate of righteousness. One of the things you got to watch in looking at the weapons, you can just look at the weapons, but it's really more about what the weapon is. The logos, the, the, the loin belt of truth is about the logos. But this is a revelation of that you've been made righteous. And so let's look at this because obviously then, If I'm going to protect myself from the enemy, I've got to put on a breastplate of righteousness. In other words, I've got to have a strong revelation. If I'm going to win, if I'm going to to stay healed, if I'm going to finish my course with joy, if I'm going to stay out of sin, if I'm going to walk in God's highest and best and, and in peace in every area of my life, I must have a revelation of righteousness. And so uh, around here, if you've never gone through Bible Institute, 
First of all, I don't know what you're waiting on. Um, but uh, we have a great class called uh, Righteousness, and uh, a lady that's adequate at it. Oh, I see her in the back. Uh, uh, Raquel is amazing at it. I think the only class I've ever, ever heard of st- the students stand up and give a standing ovation. Uh, but uh, it, because um, a revelation on righteousness will save your life. And a lot of the church world still doesn't have it. Now, a lot of people can now quote, I'm the righteous of God in Christ, but do you really know what it means? And so let's get into it. I, obviously, I'm not going to be able to cover everything that we could cover. And, you know, it could, you could study righteousness for, you know, a year. But I just want to get to it. So let's look at this. Um, let, me say, let me give you a quote. Anybody ever heard of E.W. Kenyon? He, Kenyon defined righteous as the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of guilt or inferiority. Um, a lot of times people who don't have a revelation of righteousness walk around in condemnation. Um, con- and how many know Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus, who don't fulfill the lusts of their flesh, but walk in the Spirit. And so... Uh, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to walk in your righteousness. And if you want to be free from condemnation and guilt and shame, you have to have a revelation of righteousness. Because if you don't have a revelation of righteousness, then you have nothing protecting you from being able to walk against and win against the devil in this life because you're wide open. And, all, and you can have some kind of knowledge of faith and you can have some kind of knowledge of renewing your mind, but you're open. This is not something we should gloss over. You and I must understand how important understanding your righteous position is. And so a lot of times people will say this, well, righteousness is just doing right. Mm. Because what a lot of people say, well, I'm born again, so I'm just going to do right. Well, doing right does not make you righteous. Being moral does not make you righteous. I would prefer you be moral over immoral. God would prefer that, but that that isn't what makes you righteous by your actions. When you understand and walk in the revelation of righteousness, you will do right. It's a difference of works versus knowing who you are in God. And how many of you know we all need to do right? Because the more we do right, the less the devil has an opportunity to get into our life and into our family. Are you with me? So, again, doing right does not mean you are righteous or make you righteous, make you A-OK with God. But being righteous will make you do right. And a lot of times people who have a lot of trouble with condemnation, uh, their flesh, um, continuous sin, always feeling like they got to repent, always feeling like they're not good enough, I guarantee you that I would say uh, way up high percentages they don't have a revelation of righteousness. So this is not just an armor. This is what God is saying to you. You must know you are righteous because it is your protection against the, the, the spear, against the sword, against the arrows, against the accusations of the devil. Everybody say, I am righteous. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, King James says, But of him are you in Christ. You're what? In Christ. And so one of the things you've got to understand is because you're born again, you're in him. He's in you, but you're in him. 
You are in Christ Jesus who is of God has made unto us. He made unto you. This is available for you. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I just like to stop right there and, you know, like minister two hours on each one of those words. But he made you, he's given you, thank God the Bible says, any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The word of God is the wisdom of God. But he made unto you wisdom. I believe that goes along with that uh, I have the mind of Christ. I believe mind of Christ is positional. Not, that's not talking about renewal. Mind of Christ is in you. You have the ability to think God's thoughts. You have the ability to hear God's words. Renewal of mind is different than positional mind of Christ. He's now given you the mind of Christ. Where is it? It's on the inside of you. And he's made unto you wisdom. And he's made unto you righteousness. Aren't you glad you're sanctified? How you know he set you apart? Aren't you glad you are redeemed? You're redeemed from the curse of the law. You're redeemed from sickness and disease. You're redeemed from poverty. You're, you're, rele- you're redeemed from all the... Aren't you glad you've been redeemed? You've been bought with the price, even the blood of Jesus. And your redemption also causes you to go to heaven. Hallelujah. But he made you these things. So just as much as he made you redeemed, he's redeemed you, just as much as he has made you sanctified, how he's been made unto you wisdom, he's the one made unto you for righteousness. It's him. It's not your action. It's your belief. Now, I know some of you are nodding your head up and down, but this has really got to be a revelation to you. I am righteous. I'm not going to get more righteous by doing better. I'm righteous. When did you get made righteous? Well, let's go on. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You all know this one. We confess this one all the time. For he has made him to be sin for us. Aren't you glad Jesus took all your sin? He didn't know any sin. He was a spotless lamb. That we might be made righteous. Made. When you were born again, whether you knew it or not. I mean, I just, I just got born again to miss hell. And, and I got born again so something could, you know, could happen in my life, you know. I, I, I really, when I was born again at 12, I, I, I really distinctly, you know, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So a lot of people get born again so they don't have to go to hell. It's a very real place. And people who are not born again are going there still. No matter what modern theology is trying to tell them. Can't change the word. But he, so I didn't know all this stuff I got when I got born again. When I said, yes, man, all the benefits and the blessings that we all got, though it took, it's taken all this time for us to know. But he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made. Everybody say, I've been made. made. When did you get made? You got made righteous the moment you said yes to Jesus. I don't think your righteousness grows, your revelation of righteousness grows. I'll say it again. Your righteousness doesn't grow, your revelation of your righteousness grows. But you don't get more righteous. You are righteous. Some of you need to get that. He made you righteous. Woo! Romans 5.19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So who's that talking about? It's talking about Adam. Because of his act of disobedience, we were all made sinners. In other words, Pastor Rondo says this way. It doesn't really apply anymore. I don't know. She's got a new thing. But you used to remember when you had CDs? 
or cassette tapes or way back eight track tapes. Um, you could take the original and then you would get, this is interesting what they used to call the cassette tapes because back in the big day, you know, when people were buying cassettes, even around here, we had, we had a cassette, the original, and then it had three things and then we bought slaves. That's what they called them, slaves, that, w- that, would, be, that would get copied off of the master. Well, that's really what happened here. When Adam sinned, it was passed down through humanity. So everybody was made a sinner. What was on the original got off on all of us. But the original original came. So by the obedience of one, many were made righteous. So once you say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that he was raised from the dead, something new is downloaded into you. And the sin nature, the fallen nature, the unrighteous nature is now gone. 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 Not almost gone. Not we got to work it out. Gone. 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 And you were made righteous. (laughs) You were made holy. That's another story. But it's the same, same. Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. It's not something you're trying to obtain to. Oh, let's not talk about money, Pastor Mark. We talk about too much money. It's all the same, same. He did it all at the same time. If you understand one, you'll understand them all. Yet we've divided it for teaching, and he was made sin so I could be made righteous. He was made poor so I could be rich. Rich is who I am. It's not what I have. That just shows up later. Just like... mm, Amen. The chastisement of our peace was on him. So he took confusion. He took mess. He took all that stuff. And he left you his peace. He was made these things. Um, He was made sickness and disease. So that you can be made healed. It's all same, same. All done at the same time. We're just talking about righteousness, but man, it's just a little extra. I mean, we have to quit waiting on God to do something more. I need you to do something more. No, he's done everything he's going to do. You just receive what he's done, and then you get born again, and you begin to walk in him because you are in him. He's in you, but you are in him. And everything that he's provided, we receive it. We believe it. I don't know if I'm helping you, but I'm really happy right now. Hallelujah. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Everybody say, I was made. made. Righteous. Righteous. Woo-wee. Made righteous. Romans 10. Romans 10, 3 and 4. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... They And going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto a righteous God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So let's go back to 3. 
So a lot of times when we don't understand and walk in our righteousness, the Bible says we're ignorant of God's righteousness. The Bible said don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. I don't think that's God trying to slam us. He's just trying to say, listen, there are some things that I put in my word that they, you've got to know and you've got to understand. You can't afford to not know these. Well, I feel like if I don't know them that I'm not responsible. That is not the way this works. It's not the way this works. Um, so it's up to us, and there's never been a generation that we have more availability of the Word of God and revelation than right now. And so he's saying to us, don't be ignorant of God's righteousness. What do you need to not be ignorant of? That God made you righteous. Because if I'm ignorant of God's righteousness, then I'm going to go back to the law or I'm going to go back to always trying to, um, to make my own. Um, John chapter, this is not my notes. Let me find it. John chapter 16. Let me tip before I tell you. Sixteen thirteen. Hold your thought there. Let me add this in. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Has the spirit of truth come? What's he doing? He's guiding us into all truth. He's taking the word of God and he's making it real to you. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Right? For he shall not speak of himself. The Holy Ghost doesn't talk about himself. But whatever he hears, that shall he speak. And he will show, declare, disclose, and transmit things that you are to come. He'll glorify me. Okay? So let's go, okay, let's go back up then. Let's go up to seven. So how many know the Holy Ghost has come? He'll glorify. So let's, what, is he, what is the Holy Ghost doing? Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, the expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. How, has the comforter come? Has the spirit of truth come? Is he showing us things to come? All right, but this is also included with that. We really major on that, especially I do, because I love to talk about that the Holy Ghost will show you things to come. But this is still in here. And unless you've been in, for me, unless you've been in my Bible Institute class and foundational doctrines, you may not have heard this too much. He will, when he comes, uh, the comforter will not come unto you. Uh, if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. But if, I, but if I depart, I'll send him. How you know? Jesus left, Holy Ghost here. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, listen to me, with a sinner. What's a sinner? A sinner is not someone... Uh, you label by they commit adultery, they do this sexual sin, they're a thief. A sinner here, God is saying, what a sinner is, is someone who has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not born again. They're heathen. They have a fallen nature. They're lost. And when he comes, he will approve the world of sin and righteous, of sin, verse 9, of sin because they don't believe on me. So the Holy Ghost, when he deals with the sinner, he only cares about one. You and I, he cares about them all. Don't, don't, don't take it anywhere else. He cares about them all. He'll convict you of any of them. But with a sinner, he's not concerned about their adultery, about their lying, about their cheating, about their mess. He's concerned about one thing. Because those cannot be fixed until they receive Jesus. That's it. So if you're, if you're ministering to somebody and you know they're not born again, 
then the only thing you have to concentrate is on getting them to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead. You don't have to deal with them about their sin. That's their nature. Sin or sin. Come on, you know. Remember, dogs do what? Cats do what? Birds fly and mess up my car. And, and why do they all do that? Because it's their nature. It's their nature. What do sinners do? They sin. That's why you and I shouldn't be. Because that is not our nature. That's not our nature. We have a new nature. Verse 10 of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So what are people, what, what, what's, what's this? Because humanity has always tried to make themselves right before God. And they could not. They could not. I often tell a story with this. Um, Pastor Rhonda and I were... It's back way long time ago when we didn't have a lot of money and we couldn't go to the beach and we couldn't go to the mountains and we couldn't go anywhere. So we decided to go on a day trip to go on some hills and hiking. It was in Alabama or Tennessee. Uh, but, um, but we were walking along and this was many, many years ago. I think we were first married, so this has to be 25, 27 years ago. Yeah, definitely for destiny. And so we were walking these trails, and there were some hills and hollers. And I felt like this. There was an older, I used to say elderly, but I don't say that anymore. There was an older couple walking, and um, there was these rest stops along the way. But this older couple obviously was more fit than this younger couple. And so they were keeping up. But every time I got close to them, we were kind of at the rest areas, the same for about a minute or two. And every time, the Holy Ghost would deal with me to minister to him to make sure he was born again. And even though I was a preacher, I was good at go teach my people faith. But I wasn't good at getting people born again individually. And so I just couldn't do it. So the second time we caught him again, the Holy, as I'm walking, the Holy Spirit is dealing with me. So we get, we get up to him and I don't do it again. And the third time we get up to him and I don't do it again. And can I just tell you the Lord became very irritated with me. I mean irritated. Like you know you have done messed up. He is not playing around. I am irritated with you. And so I said, Lord, you give me one more chance. I'll do whatever you want. And so we went down. There were some restrooms there, and they happened to be there, thank the Lord. And so I was very bold, and I began to talk to him. I didn't just walk up to him and say, are you born again? I began to talk to him and led the conversation around by the help of the Holy Spirit. And I come to find out that uh, this is what he said to me. I hope I've done enough good works and my good works outweigh my bad works. And I believe the scale will tip in my favor and I'll be able to, and I don't know if he said it, but people talk like that. They're talking about Peter letting him into the pearly gates, you know. Peter's not at the pearly gates. Either name is written or it ain't. There's nobody, you're either in or you're out, right? And so what did I know about him? I know he's not born again. And so, um, you know, early on I didn't do this. I'm very comfortable with doing it now. But early I wasn't. But I, let, I, I got him, I made sure he was born again. And then I tell the funny joking story is, then after that he offered me a job. Uh, he happened to be on the pastoral search committee of a very large church in Birmingham. Now it was a denominational church and I just kindly told him, I don't think they'll like me there. 
I'm good at where I, but I mean, it was tempting. I'm sure there was a big salary with it, and I was making $250 a week, you know, and I, and I go, but I said no. But in that, listen to me. This is a man who went his whole life proving his righteousness, who sat in church, who was on a board to select a pastor. And when he took his last breath, he would have gone to hell. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's just the way it is. Now, if a good man would have to go to hell, but the truth of the matter is, there is no way to heaven, there is no way to be righteous except through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way. No man gets to the Father but through him. And meaning they have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So there's lots of people you and I know. All the religions of the world are out to prove their righteousness before God to appease him. But you and I are just made righteous because we believe something. Because we believe something. Do you believe something? So the Holy Ghost, one of the things he's working with an unbeliever is your righteousness is not good enough. How sad, but true, then he has to keep working with believers to keep telling them your righteousness is not good enough. Quit reverting. Quit going backwards thinking you got to measure up in this area. You've got to do something. you got to run through an extra, you know, you got to jump through an extra hoop. you got to do, you know, a herky-jerky backflip, you know, and a, a praise the Lord. You can't do any of that to be made more righteous. You are righteous. Amen. And your faith depends on it. And your resisting the devil depends on it. You and I, everybody say it again. Say, I've been made righteous. So I'm not, so say, say this, I'm not ignorant. Of God's righteousness. Hallelujah. We're not going to establish our own, right? And, and when we try to establish our own, I love that in, in um, what is that in Romans um, 10.3 again. It says, we've not submitted. We've not submitted them ourselves unto the righteousness of God. In other words, I've got to humble myself and say, I can't do this on my own. I can't be righteous on my own. There's nothing I can do to make myself more righteous This is all you and none of me. I just believe. And so I'm humbling myself. Isn't that interesting? When he says humble, what else do you know about humility? The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So if I humble myself under righteousness, if I humble myself recognizing in in Romans chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, that I have not submitted. If I submit myself to the righteousness of God, I'm submitting myself. What did did Ollie just say? Uh, um, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil. So if I submit to righteousness, righteousness has a lot to do with keeping the devil on the run. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let's look again in Romans chapter, can you turn it to, can you put up Romans chapter 10, 3 and 4 again? For being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves. Everybody say, I'm submitted to the righteousness of God. In other words, I've come under, right? I've yielded. I've yielded. I'm going to quit trying to do it on my own. I'm just going to yield to God's righteousness. You say I'm righteous? I'm righteous. It's not a feeling. Well, Pastor Mark, I I don't act righteously. Well, then get more revelation on righteousness. Because if you believe in your righteousness, it will translate into acting right and doing right. 
Now, I didn't say you won't have, you'll have, you, well, once you get to this revelation, you never have to put your flesh under long, the longest day you live. No, you will have to keep your flesh under. But now you have the tools and the ability to do it. Amen. One more, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And being found in him, Philippians 3, 9. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. In other words, people, have, people then and now, I, um, um, because of what I do, I look righteous, I act righteous, I talk righteous. It's me, my strength. But um, we don't have that. It's, but ours is not of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So the only way you can obtain this, even though it was yours when you got born again, in order to walk in this, you have to do it by faith. Like everything, right? I receive it by faith. How do I receive something by faith? I hear it. Right? What do I do with I hear it? Well, if I'm trying to activate something, then I want to say it. And then after I say it, I'm going to act like it's true. Even if my feelings tell me, now I've seen a lot of people, but you sure don't lack righteous. <laughs> or you have even people telling you, I thought you was a Christian then you can boldly confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Eventually, your actions will correspond with your faith. It's a trap. It's a trap to get back into works of righteousness. It's a trap to believe that I got this now on my own. We have to stay in the fact that it's a gift and um, it was given to us at the new birth. We didn't earn it. It's ours. But you have to know it's available and activate it by faith through the words of your mouth. And you need to say it regularly. And I think that's why the one, it comes up probably more than any in him scripture when I preach or when others minister, because it's almost like um, the cornerstone of the in him. It, it seems to be all of them are equally important. But this one is just real relevant and essential to your walk with God. If you don't know you're righteous and you don't on purpose walk in it, then you're going to be lunch for the devil. You're easy prey because you're open. You'll be condemned. You'll never be good enough. The devil will see to it. I mean, if you have a, a low self-esteem problem, that's not a woman problem. That's a human problem. That's a fallen problem. And, it, and, and your body and your soul didn't get born again when you got born again. You've you got to renew your mind, and you've got to keep your body under. And so if you feel unworthy, if you feel less than, then you've got to start talking to yourself about how righteous you are. I am righteous. I've been made righteous. When God looks at me, he sees a righteous man. But what if I mess up? Well, you can confess your fault, ask God to forgive you. Well, let's, look, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Get off the notes here a little bit. 1 John 1. I believe 1 John is written to you and me, believers. 
picking it up. Well, you could, I could just go all the way up to 1 1, but let's go. Uh, let's just start at verse 7. Walk in the light. 1 John 1 7. But if you walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. I believe that's talking vertical. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So uh, if you walk in the light that you know, it's like being hooked up to a, a blood machine of the blood of Jesus, and he continually washes you and cleanses you. And so you don't have to worry about the sins of omission and the sins of commission. But, but if you just walk in the light of what you have. Now listen to me, though. If Sin is a violation of light. You have light on something and you violate it. And your conscience will let you know. It's not even the Holy Ghost. If, if your spirit condemns you. In other words, your spirit's born again alive unto God. And it doesn't like it when you mess up. It, it likes to stay hooked to God. And it don't want you to mess up. Okay? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? So when someone lives in and practices sin, what happens? They move back over into that unrighteous condition. Now, I don't believe, I don't think it's talking about losing salvation. It's just you, you, when you practice sin, when you live in sin. But if you confess your sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All unrighteous. So you, wanna, you, you don't want you don't want to mess with that. You don't want to mess with your conscience. You don't want to mess with sin in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, all right, let's keep going. Shall we keep going? Let me introduce where we're going. That was a good introduction, right? Hallelujah. Okay. How can you tell? If you're really walking in righteousness, if you really have a revelation. Let's start with James 5, 16. We'll just get started and we'll pick it up next week. Because you'll all be back next week even though Christmas is coming, right? You all got your, you all got your shopping done, right? These are the shopping. The, you, these are all the online people in the room. Hallelujah. You don't go to the brick and mortars anymore. Glory to God. All right. James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual... Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So how can you tell? We're almost done, but I got to concentrate these last five minutes. I'm getting hot. Um, uh, uh, get a pillow and a blanket and take a nap. Um, no. Um, how can you tell if you're really walking in your righteousness by your prayer life? Interestingly enough. Have you ever heard people say, when I pray, it feels like it's hitting the ceiling? Feels like the heavens are brass. God's not hearing me. Those are all results of not knowing your righteousness. All that kind of talk, that religious talk, is an offshoot of not knowing your righteousness. Because when you pray, this is the confidence that I have in him. When I ask anything according to his will, I know. I don't doubt. I don't wonder. I know. That's scripture. Religion will tell you what? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God won't answer. Sometimes he says maybe. That's all religious. My spiritual father used to call it bunk. I don't even know what a bunk is, but it's not good. Bunk. It's all bunk. 
think that's the word I'm going to pick up again. It's all bunk. The effectual. See, if you believe this, you know as a righteous person, God hears your prayer. The Bible says God's ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. Are you righteous? Yeah, but I got to work on some stuff. Yeah, you got to work on your revelation of righteousness. That's what you got to work on. That's what you got to work on. Because if I really believe that I'm righteous, then my prayers would, they bring tremendous power. 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Are you righteous? His eyes are what? Over you, on you. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Well, his face is not against you and it's not against me. Well, you know, sometimes I miss it, Pastor Mark, but you're not evil. Because evil is talking about those that are not born again. Now listen to me. Well, I just believe God answers all prayers. Or I just believe God hears everybody. That's not scriptural. He hears everyone who calls on him to be born again. Well, I just believe, you know, that's, I just believe it says that he'll work everything out for good. Well, that's not what that scripture says. He says he works everything out to good for those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, there's a lot of things that don't just work out. And, and if you're just going to wait for everything to work out, well, I just believe they'll grow out of it. Well, you believe wrong. I just believe it, you know, after a little while, that hurt will go away. Uh, time doesn't heal hurts. Sometimes it makes them worse. Time, time, is, time is not a healing agent. Time can sometimes be an enemy. But this is what I do know. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. I'm righteous. Are you righteous? His eyes are on me. Come on, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on whose heart is perfect. Well, how did your heart get perfect in the new covenant? You got born again and you were made righteous. His eyes are on you. Come on, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. There's so much in here. I just love talking about it. Everybody say, I'm righteous. How do I know I'm righteous? Because I'm very uh, sure about my prayers. I'm not moved by feelings. I'm not moved by what's going on. I, because I'm righteous. You know, today a lot of people say, you know, they get si- tired. You know, you know uh, don't send me your prayers. I don't want to hear your prayers. Don't send me your prayers. Well, first of all, your prayers are never meant to be sent. Don't send people prayers. Tell them what you prayed out of the word and tell them what God's going to do. Because you actually prayed. You know, a lot of people come up and say, well, pray for me sometime. How do you know when people say that and they say, I'm going to pray for you, they probably never pray for you. So if anyone ever asks you to pray for you, you know, at work, you know, you know what you want to cause something at work? Every time someone asks you, because they know who you are and you've got your Cornerstone T-shirt on, hey, pray for me. You just need to stop them right there, grab them both the hands and say, what do you want me to pray about? And just pray it out, man. Either you're going to start getting a line or people will leave you alone. Come on, y'all, let's quit being so religious. Religion doesn't work. 
And remember me in your prayers that never get remembered. You're supposed to pray. And you're supposed to pray the word. And you're supposed to pray with confidence. And God's eyes are on you. His ears are open to your prayers. And and he hears you when you pray. And so if people really knew and the church was really having a revelation of righteousness, they would never say, don't pray for me. It doesn't work. Because prayers always work. Because God always hears and he answers those who pray in faith who understand that they've been made righteous. Amen. Amen. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we'll continue. But the breastplate of your righteousness is yours and we need to wear it because it will protect us, our life, from the attack of the enemy. Amen. Amen. We'll see you Sunday morning, either 9 or 11. God bless you.